Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your hosts, David Robertson, Mike Sadakat, and Tom Stewart. Hey there folks, this is Tom from the Comic Smell Podcast. Uh, just want to mention a couple of things at the top of the podcast before we get started. First of all, there is a brilliant Kickstarter going on at the minute for a Halloween-themed horror comic um, called Final Halloween. It's written and co-created by Mike Garley of uh, Samurai Slasher and The Kill Screen and artist Michael Lee Graham. Shortlist magazine Dead Roots uh, with letters and logo design by Mike Stock of Image Comics. Final Halloween is five kids wake up in an abandoned house. They don't know why they're there, how they got there or whose blood they're covered in. Covered in blood, disorientated and with no short-term memory, these five kids will need to work together to solve the mysteries of this hellish house or this will be their final Halloween. Um, It looks absolutely fantastic. Um, When it says that they're covered in blood, oh damn, they're covered in blood. It's really gory, it's kind of like a... It looks like a kind of more supernatural slasher sort of thing. Some nice dialogue in amongst it as well. Um, Really good premise, really interesting in this one. Give it a look. It's really quite close to hitting its goal as well. Uh, There's about, at this moment in time, there's about 17 days to go. Um, So just give it a check out. That is our final Halloween on Kickstarter. Also, uh, Edinburgh Comic Art Festival is coming back for their winter section. Um, It's free entry, as usual. Sunday the 25th of November 2018 and that will be from 11am to 4pm. It will be comics workshops and the comic market as well. That's uh, 36 Dalmeny Street in Edinburgh. Also earlier on in November, on the 3rd of November 10 till 4 uh, in Dundee, if you come here there will be Dundee Zine Fest will be on. Really looking forward to that considering it's in our hometown and it's a good chance for a lot of creators to showcase all their zines and little comics and whatnot as well. Really excited for that. So if you can manage to get to Dundee on Saturday the 3rd of November, come down and have we route about. We should be walking about as well. I think I'm going there with David. Hopefully the rest of that comic smell will be able to make it down and have a wander about the floor. So... Come and say hello if you recognise our voices from anywhere. Also just want to give a big shout out to everyone that will be going to the Lakes Festival uh, this weekend. A shout out to all the creators that are going to be going along to the Lakes Festival. Hope you have a great time and everybody else that's going along to see them as well. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. There's a lot going on. Um, Kendall basically just becomes a, ho- a host to all comics action that is going on so... Should be fun. Uh, hopefully we'll make it next year to uh, to come and see everybody. 
as you know, we've had the Lakes Comics Art Festival podcast playing their little advertisement at the start of uh, the show for the past couple of weeks. I'll be exactly the same this week as well. Um, those guys are fantastic. Nikki, Ian, Pete and Mike are fantastic. They run an absolutely brilliant podcast and the Comic Art Festival are lucky to have them promoting for them as well. Just want to give a quick shout out as well to John Tucker who sent in some comics to myself the other day. But obviously they get put on the shelves at that Comic Smell HQ and it came with a personalised sketch of what I had said to him to just interpret that comic smell. Have a look on our Instagram at the picture because John is fantastic. What a, an amazing illustrator, what an amazing comic artist. Those stories were hilarious. They were so well contained, just these little little books that you can just smash through so quick, but they were just so funny and so poignant and some of them pretty dark as well. Um, yeah, really good, well worth it. John's got a lot of stuff up at the minute. I think he's still doing them as like a pack. Um, so you're getting one, two, three, four, five, six books, a personal sketch, two stickers and two badges. Uh, uh, like next to absolutely nothing. I think it was like £10 or something for that, which is just unbelievable. Okay, so as previously mentioned, here is a little snippet for another amazing comics podcast for you to listen to. Welcome from the Lakes International Comic Art Festival podcast. My name's Ian. And I'm Nikki. And our podcast is all about, surprise, surprise, comics. We interview big and upcoming names from the comic world. We also review the latest in comics, graphic novels and comic-based films. We also chat about what we've seen, what we've enjoyed and what we're playing in our pop culture section. So listen to us, you'd be mad not to, at comicartpodcast.uk on all your usual podcast players and find us on Twitter at Comic Art Fest Pod. Hope you enjoyed that. Nip across to the Comic Art Festival podcast for more. Nikki, Ian, Pete and Mike run an absolutely fantastic podcast. It's informative, funny and has some great interviews as well. Like, share and subscribe and rate and review their podcast. Okay, folks. Now on with the regular show. Is this chocolate? Yep. Cool. Brilliant. Chocolate chip. So you reckon you're going to eat these? Yeah. Good. That's nice. nice about the Moorish. Mm-hmm. They'll eat half the bag stuff in three minutes. The salt. Yeah. Just yeah. keeps you going. That's right. Do you like these? Are these a favourite? Party rounds. Yeah. yeah. I like party rounds. I don't think I've seen them for years before I started seeing them here again. Really? Yeah, they're like from some dim and distant memory for me. Remember that programme Arena? The no. arts and all that. Mm. They've been going for years. I think they still do one every now and then on the BBC. Mm. But they did one that was like their comics one. And it's from about 1980. They repeated it on BBC Four mm-hmm. three years ago. Now watched it, and it ends. Well, there's a guy in it, and he's like, "Oh, Superman!" And they're like, "As in Superman?" And at that point, it was Superman's what would it have been? Fortieth anniversary or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a big birthday party. <coughs> it was like Superman birthday cake. 
and this guy took it and he held it in his fridge and it was like, he, he was keeping it as like a, star, a Superman um, memorabilia, you know, this bit of cake that was in his fridge. And it was mouldy as fuck. Maybe he brushed it off, you know. I'm trying to remember if it was already like, you know, a year or two old, or if it was just him saying, I'm keeping this, you know, it made me think. Well, yeah, and it's sitting in the freezer. There's always that thing about food. What do you do with food, you know, as a collector? Like, you know, you buy comics and you get a free sweetie on the third. No. Well, we'll start on our comics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm the one that gets to in, as they say. My, my first one is Rumble Strip. Ooh. Rudro Phoenix. Okay. Now, when you solicited this two books, it was like trying to get something that's not absolute canon, top 10 comics ever. Just your personal? Yeah, someone, and, and you that's know, that's something that you would personally recommend to someone. So, so when, you, when I started thinking about it, you know, it turns out everything, you know, most things have got a wee following somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to say, oh, blah, 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 and then all the fans are like, oh, of course! You know, because if, it, if it's got no following, you know, well, you've not heard of it. Yeah. I get your point, yeah. So, there's going to be a lot of people, Rumble said, oh, you know, everybody knows that, you know. But hey, I picked it because, because I like it. I like the cover. I like the yeah. cover. I've never yeah. heard of it. It looks like an actual novel rather than the graphic novel. It's actually such a unique comic. What's his name? Diane Woodrow. Um, Woodrow Phoenix. Woodrow, yeah. And he, this is all about cars, mm -hmm. driving cars, and what it means for society, mm -hmm. and what it means is for, for, for a person to be driving a car. And it is so fascinating. Do you know what? I'll read the little, mm. the, the blurb on the back to capture you is when you are driving a car, killing other people is not murder or even manslaughter. It's misfortune. So that's a little, that's the wee thing to grab you. Are you mm -hmm. going to go with this or not? Um, so it's really a series of almost like diagrams. <clears throat> a lot of them really from the point of view of a driver, I suppose. But not all of them. So it's got this little analogy of a, a grand piano, somebody hanging that over the street, you know, and they're being careful with it and all that, and it, but then it drops and kills somebody, you know, and it's like, imagine if you did that, but it does stink. Okay, then, bam, cars, you know, running around. But there's so much, uh, that's a really dramatic way to get you into it. Yeah. But then once you get into it, it's more subtle, it's all the ideas of, you know, there's sentences in this that have stuck with me ever since, this is about 10 years old now, 2008 this came out, I should have marked it, but there's like one, one bit that always sticks with me and I think about it all the time, it's about how, it's about like, it's something like people in their car, what they want in their car, is to be able to max up to go to go as fast as they want all all the time and they don't want anybody getting in their way and if they do they're furious immediately furious that somebody's in their way you know and they want to 
This is what, what I took from it, really, and that, this is what I think it's about. It's the mindset of driving and how it's all, all of a sudden it's like you've got a car so you can get there as fast as you can, right? So let's go. So you're in the car and you're off, but look, somebody's in your way. And you know, somebody's even did something you didn't like and you're furious about it. You know, somebody's driving at 30. You know, in the 30 zone. I mean, it's just mm. infuriating, right? It drives you mental to distract it. And this is, you write someone like they want maximum facility and speed at all times. And if they don't get that, then it's just, you so, and, and what he then goes into is something along the lines of, so in order to get that, what you do is buy bigger and more expensive and faster cars because then that should ensure that you get this all the more. And if you don't, oh my God, you know, it's even worse now. And it's like, cheaper cars, they better get out of your way. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it justice the way I'm mm -hmm. describing it, but this is what I took from it and, and what I enjoyed about it. Uh, that, that feeling of entitlement, you know. I think, I think with me as well, I, I mean, I grew up in a house where my mum and dad didn't have a car. Right. So we walked everywhere or got a bus sometimes, mm -hmm. that was it. So then I was like well into being an adult, but I thought, you know, it could be handy. I'll learn to drive. So right. I did that much later on. And so I, I am I'm often driving about thinking about crazy things that people do and how odd it is. It seems, still seems really odd to me. Mm -hmm. The one I like, right, I'm going to try and... I, oh, this happens all the time. You know, if you're... What I find is people drive all the time, I've stopped speaking about the book, but people drive all the time as fast as they can. So they're getting up to a roundabout. So what you've got to do is drive up to that roundabout as fast as you can for, uh, until you get to that roundabout and then hit the brakes, right? And then you've got to look. So what happens with me, I, I don't do that. I'll, I'll drive along and think, well, there's that roundabout. Mm -hmm. And I'll sort of slow down coming up to the roundabout. Mm -hmm. And so... What I always notice, and, and it's never stopped, is the person behind me gets furious, right? Well, maybe I'm imagining they're getting furious, but they'll be behind me, I'm slowing down, coming up to this roundabout, they go, oh, fuck, what, right? And like, overtake me, boom, up towards the roundabout. But as I'm slowing up going, I'm looking, you know, to see, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing coming. Meanwhile, this person is like, hit the brakes. They hit the brakes and I go past them. <laughs> you know, and at first I thought maybe I imagined it, but then they're so furious. And then by the time I go around the roundabout and go to the other side, they cannot wait to get past that roundabout, get right past me again for being a cheeky bastard, for doing that. And then there's certain, you know, in Dundee, going up to our growth of that, mm. this can happen like three yeah. or four times yeah. in a row. Yeah. And it really does happen. And I used to work up there. So it was like a daily thing. People go nuts because of that. So I think what this, what this book... What I really like about it is it's a whole book dedicated to someone which is really against the grain of what we're told mm -hmm. all the time about cars. You know, they're great. You know, you get, like, freedom. Like, a car is freedom, right? And it's like, what the f... What? I remember saying, I go to work in my car. That's mm -hmm. not freedom. That's what I do. I work up there, so I drive, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but then, this is a good bit. Look, you get sort of... And because it's all... You never actually see them in this book. It's all like diagrams. Like roads. Mm. Yeah. So then you'll get to this bit, pedestrians. And then he's talking about pedestrians. And, you know, if he, once he's talked about how you are with other people driving, well, pedestrians, they, they barely even exist. You know, that's the... 
He's like, drivers get frustrated when pedestrians fail to behave with appropriate gratitude and mm-hmm. deference for being allowed to walk on the street. Mm-hmm. You know? Pedestrians should not dawdle. Pedestrians should cross streets as quickly as possible. Hurry up, run. Well, it's for their own safety. <laughs> pedestrians shouldn't p- push their luck. They should stay out of the way. It's engaging. The yeah, book yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, you know, and you're reading it and you're going, I've thought like that. Yeah. You know, or you're thinking, other people do do that. Yeah. It bugs me, you know. So you're relating to it in different ways. If they're too old or infirm to move quickly, they should not be selfishly holding up traffic by choosing to cross a road that cars are using. Drivers don't have all day. Hmm. You know, it's it's kind of. I think it's easy to put yourself in the shoes of the, the writer, especially since he doesn't show himself on there. I can't remember the first time I crossed the road, and then I kind of walked, and then they went before I got across and I was like I, I genuinely didn't understand what had happened mm-hmm. and I thought oh I was meant you know you've got to do that little skip yeah. you know you've got to if you didn't do that yeah. they're annoyed at you and that was the first time I learned that and, 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 and driving of course you've got to wave you know like if I'm, if I'm going in some you know if, if, if they wait for me I would stop you go past and you wave. Yeah, like, you thank you. Thank and they go, right, good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you don't, I'm furious. I mean, if I stop and they don't wave, I'm like, where's my wave? That's, mm. a, that's, a, yeah. Scot- that's a Scottish thing, though. Ah, that's a so- Scotland. Somebody, somebody has said, and somebody yes. has actually commented on that before. I've seen that pop up a couple of times on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it's always been Scottish people that have said, like, where's the wave? It's like, where's my wave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's loads of, there's loads of, like, Americans, um, like, there was somebody. There was somebody from South Africa. It was yeah. like you'd be lucky if you get somebody even like gives you the courtesy to cross the fucking road or yeah. anything else. Yeah. He says you you'll get killed. You know, it's um, funny these things in different areas. Are... It was somebody who had yeah. also made a, a joke remark, which was uh, if you come from Scotland and you don't wave when somebody lets you go across the road, fucking kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a joke, like, yeah, but but you know it's total satire. But it was just the fact of like. You know, that's, that's here, relative. You know what, here, here's this part, this uh, section that always sticks with me. So, it's coming right off the pedestrians, but how can you respect someone who can't drive? It's like a American crosswalk. Uh-huh. There was one before, it was like a British one. So you're getting different... Oh, different ones, different colours. So then he's... Cars cost so much to buy and more to use that many drivers become a little bit nutty with the expense, determined to justify their purchase. Mm-hmm. And then this is a bit that always gets me. Anything that gets in the way of this need for maximum utility at all times is the enemy. <laughs> you know? So, I love this book and I hope that it sounds yeah. interesting to you. Yeah, right? I can relate to that. It's very... Uh, and you know, it's... I like the drone. He's mm-hmm. made a decision there. And it's... I don't know if he's just got, like, photos... Well, he's obviously done reference stuff and he's... But it's also still kind of sloppy. I like the way he kind of, you know, he's went over the lines, he's, he's just left it. You know, there's some panels even in here where he's forgot to ink it. You see the pencil. There's, oh, really? there's a few, and I thought, isn't that great? Look at that. So this is a, really, I recommend this. Mm. As, as you were saying, what you would recommend personally. Yes. I love this book because it's unique as well. And it's well done. And it's, he's, you can tell he's smart and and he's funny mm-hmm. and he's making good points I mean he as it gets to the end he tells you about him being on the road and like 
a wee, oh, just a wee tiny incident, the kind of thing that happens on the road, and then he goes into it, you know, like three seconds off, and he'd be dead. Yeah. And he knew that, the other person knew that, and then he gets back on, and then he goes, and then he sort of looks at them, and they just sort of look back, <laughs> and he's like, well, I can't speak to You nearly just killed me. We, you nearly just killed us and other people, but that's just the way it is, and then he carries on driving, you yeah. know. So, really, f- yeah. I thought about that a lot. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's, like a, it's a great book. I'd recommend like to have a read. Rainbow <coughs> Strip, Woodrow Phoenix, 2008. I like that. He also did, um, you know the big book that was uh, She Lives? And it was like, it's a massive like comic the size of this table. No. I saw that. That was on that event. It was a few years ago. Yeah, he brought it to Dundee. Yeah, either we chat with him when he was... Is that him? Woodrow Phoenix, yeah. Ah, I see. So he is British. Yeah. 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 Yeah, cause I know that some of the pages were uh, set in America here, but I remember I had a, I had a chat with him. Uh, it was that huge comic. Mm-hmm. When I when I read the email, I thought it was choose uh, choose two books that are like uh, groundbreaking. Um, I I obviously didn't read all the email because <laughs> uh, this one isn't obscure, but. It doesn't have to be a skewer, it's just your personal recommendation. Yeah. yeah, if someone came up to me and said, I wouldn't mind reading a comic, mm-hmm. can you recommend me this book? Mm-hmm. And I would recommend this one. You've all probably read it and watched it, but the reason I pull this one out now is because most of the, much of the story was never portrayed in the film. Mm-hmm. The thing is, on the film, it focuses around these guys. You know, and as soon as you think about the Watchmen, you think, uh, right, Rorschach's a comedian, uh, Miss uh, Jupiter, um, Doctor Manhattan, and all that. Nah, forget it. It's a, uh, it's like the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. or the the wee boy that hangs around the uh, the news agents, yeah. and they have a wee chat with each other. They yeah. just talk about normal stuff. There's uh, the guy that hangs around the corner, comes up to the news agent. And then uh, the psychiatrist, he's walking down the road and he sees shadows. Uh, someone's like spray painted a couple on there and he's suddenly reminded of like silhouettes of people burned in, in mm-hmm. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. Um, all these little bits. Like, uh, there he is. The news agent and the wee boy. They were such a big bit of this uh, story. Mm. And all they got was a tiny wee glimpse. Yeah. Psychiatrist, you didn't you didn't see anything about that him. Was, that was before they were wiped out in the film, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the psychiatrist. There's uh, some fascinating bits where he gets to interview Rorschachs. And there he is. You see him briefly in the film. But what the film doesn't show is him going, going about his normal everyday business. Yeah, they kind of villainise him in the film. Yeah, but yeah. There, there they sort of keep him as a, as a normal person. He goes back to his wife and he has like a nice family. Well, not a family, he has a nice uh, social life with her. He walks about the street, he sees goodness in everyone. So he sees like uh, people, he, he might give money to the, to the beggar or he, he might buy a magazine off the news agent. Afterward, Rorschachs tells him why he became Rorschachs. Uh, about that harrowing story about the, the kidnapper and he's left traumatised so uh, he goes back to uh, to his wife and his wife has two of their friends around so there he is, he's like he's heard the story, in this book Rorschach's actually cuts the guy up with a machete, mm. not uh, 
No, um, meat cleaver. Yeah, uh, like in the film. Mm. Um, and he actually says to the guy, "Yeah, oh no, it wasn't that. It was um, he does the meat cleaver machete on the film, but on here <coughs> he handcuffs him to uh, to a pipe, and he says you can probably get out of it because he he pulls the saw right next to him, but you're not going to make it out of it in time to escape the fire." And he sets a place on fire, so the guy burns to death. Um, but here, this guy's like, uh, he's talking away, and the, the couple are there, and they're like, they think uh, uh, kidnap girl is a really kinky thing. And then uh, the guy says, no, actually, she was seven, and she was uh, chopped to pieces and fed to the kidnapper's dogs. Mm-hmm. At which place, his wife completely falls out with them, uh, ruins the night for the, the happy couple. But then, uh, towards the... Um, yeah, towards the end, a lot of the uh, people who were in the background, they're all, um, yeah, including the policeman. You, you don't see hardly anything of the policeman and his uh, deputy um, in the film. But these two are an important part as well. And you briefly might catch a glimpse of them when Rorschach gets arrested. What I, what I love in here is issue chapter four, Dr. Manhattan's life story. Mm. I just think that's amazing. That, that, that one issue to me is like one of the best comics. Mm-hmm. I actually have given that to people to read. Mm. Issue four. Mm. I have been read that, read that, you know. I remember going back and they were like, I started reading that and then I got to about page four and I thought, no, wait a minute, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. I had to stop and then go back and start reading that mm-hmm. again, you know. I just love the way he does time and a in that issue, you know. And, and he's experiencing all these life at once. Yeah. And it's not the future or the past. And there's a great bit in this where his wife is like, you know, how can you be, I'm totally paraphrasing, but it's like, how can you be so uncaring? And, you know, you saw this coming, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, and he says something like, yeah, you know, I can see the future, you know, just like you can see the past. That doesn't mean I can change it. You know, just go, and after, man, that's so clever. That's a, that's a brain. Mm-hmm. That's somebody that can think of things that came up with a line like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're still sucking this thing fucking dry mm-hmm. to keep their business going. Yeah. <laughs> like everything. But it's, a, it's definitely, I mean, as a superhero comic, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. really... Uh, and one of, the, one of the scenes that's not in the film is uh, Ozymandias, who's the, uh, the antagonist. He's not necessarily the biggest villain, but mm. what he does is pretty villainous, killing uh, three million people, but... Well, actually, yeah, I suppose I can't argue with that. But um, there's a scene in there, in the book, where he fights the comedian, and he's completely battered by the comedian. Then afterward, years after, he doesn't hold the grudge too much, but for his plan, when the comedian finds out, he's ready for him, and that's the beginning where you actually see him beating the comedian. Yeah. So I made a good choice then, I hope. Yeah, we'd, yeah. Watchmen. Uh, ev- everyone's everyone's running around waving their arms and agreeing with me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've got a special place in my heart for for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. When, it was when, when did you uh, get Watchmen? The book. And I've never life. actually. I've never actually owned it. Oh, okay. Um, I still don't own it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very reticent to actually ever own it because yeah. I discovered it like most of my books in a library. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, there's something about owning something that I've always like snuck into a building to have a look at. I don't oh, feel I feel quite odd and then being like, right, I've got that now, that's my it's not the same, it doesn't hold the same thing. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I can remember as a kid sitting going, there's something going on here. There's there's reading a comic and that's good, but there's something else going on. I want to have it. I want to own it. I've got to have it in my house, dead, captured. And it's like, that's a separate thing. And yeah, there's it's definitely... Certain stuff, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's certain stuff that I'm like, I need to have that. Mm-hmm. But there's other stuff I'm like, I think it loses its appeal. Interesting. If I own it. And oh, I, can yeah. just, I can just get it really available anytime. Yes. Too available. <clears throat> yeah, see, so yeah. that's good. So I just like collecting things. Like yeah. My um, my first experience with it was probably around 2000, 2001, mm-hmm. um, when the books in the library were 14 plus, oh, and uh, I was just of under that age, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I uh, <coughs> had to sneak into the corner of it in the library where all the graphic novels, <laughs> at that point they were called, yeah. uh, were, and uh, hide from the beanbags and sit and pick it off the shelf and have a look. And the reason that I, I was drawn to it was because it wasn't this cover. No. You remember it was the the smiley face, the yeah. half smiley ah. face. Yeah. And the big blood splatter. Yeah. Now I remember at that time, the smiley faces, the have a nice day thing was going on. Right. That was the big thing at that time. Right. It was the kind of the resurgence oh. of the so was this kind of Yes, it was just that, but like all over. So yeah. it was just it was just one big yellow book with that, um, but the have a nice day thing from the seventies was making a resurgence uh, in the sort of late nineties, early two thousands with posters and stuff. So I was drawn to that, and then it opened up and went, oh, "This isn't anything to do with that. What's this?" Ah. And then I made my way through it. Very hard to understand being a preteen. Yeah. Very hard indeed, but the sheer visuals of it were yeah. so incredible that I was just drawn. I mean, his look in general was just fantastic. A nice... A big blue guy going about his cock hanging out. Yeah. What's this? Nice concept art at the back if you've not seen it. It's, um... Yeah, so I hold a a special place for that because that was one of my very first ones that I ever kind of discovered. Mm. Um, And felt like, at the time, because stuff like that wasn't readily available, I felt like, oh, this is, nobody knows about this. Yeah. This is, this is mine, you know. You discovered it. Yeah. And then, it was a long time since I'd read it in the library that the film then came out. <laughs> the film then came out about eight or nine years later or something. Yeah. So that was a kind of, that was just that thing that I read when I was younger. And, you know, mm. I hadn't been back to the library in a long time since. I kind of snuck in and out periodically throughout um, my teen years growing up and, and reading through it. Um, but it came out of the cinema and I went to go see it. And at the time, from what I saw from the film, I thought it was a good adaption. Yeah. Because I'd forgotten a lot of the story and the kind of cliff notes was what the film was. So I thought, this is fine on, this is great. Yeah. And I was really into the Snyder kind of uh, 300 and all this kind of stuff. His visual style and stuff that he was doing, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I used to sit like, this is fucking, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I was really drawn into it and all the costumes and stuff were really good. They were really nicely designed and they looked like what they did in the book and stuff like that. And you, 
even the kind of redesigns they've done on a couple of the outfits and stuff are, are great. And Dr. Manhattan looks really good to me. What's his name? Um, Night Owl. He was great. He was fantastic. And my, one of my favourite parts of that film is him telling his story of how he ended up yeah. talking about that and that whole bit because it mm. kind of just cuts out a whole section from yeah. just that. That's I have the soundtrack for that. Yeah, well, the, theme. the thing about the Watchmen <laughs> film... It just reminded me of watching that and, and as it was going along, I was like, it was on and I was doing it and I, and I remember stopping to go, they're ready to and it was like, you know, clenched buttocks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I remember it came and went, and I thought it was all right, you know. Yeah. I mean, probably as films go, it's probably better than most films. I mean, probably yeah. a lot of people have found the book from liking that film. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's like me. Yeah, yeah. That me. That was. That was of the time where, if the film happened, the books were popped in shops, and right. I mean everywhere. It good Tesco and that. Yeah. At the time when that film came out, it was fucking unbelievable. Mm. I couldn't believe. That I had just been to see this thing in the cinema and was able to pop down the shops and it was there. Brilliant, yeah. It was unbelievable. Full see now, it's always like that. Yeah, see now, not a fucking chance. You go and see like Avengers or something, you come out of the cinema, the most you'll find is a fucking Spider-Man coloring book. Yeah. You know I mean it's but it's it was just unreal. Um and it was that thing as well, it was like, oh my secret's been revealed, you know. Ah. Um but everybody's getting to enjoy it now. This is great, they'll, they'll finally see. And then it got like fucking slated by loads of people as well. Mm. And I thought, like, I don't understand. I was really. I've got a really. I feel like I've got a really intimate relationship with this yeah. that a lot of people don't have. So I try to keep it very personal. And Good. This is, this is probably one of the very few times I'll speak about it in this yeah. way. So I keep it all very personal. And I, I love the film, mm. I love the way it looked and everything. I love the book. Um, I, that, that, that sticks very close to me and I, I, I do kind of take it quite badly when people speak speak ill of it but at the same point I do understand people's gripes with it the same, in the same sitting you know I still I still look at the material that's in the book and then look at the film and go well that's not really the same no. I do understand that I do understand that because you know there's plenty of books that I've read and what we've all read where we've then saw the film and like oh fuck but then somebody's loved the film and you've been like oh come on yeah. hey so I understand but at the same point do you know it's, it's just such a, a, a bigger medium cinema as you yes mm. and I, I remember Rufus Daigle that artist and he, he was drawing Tank Girl at the time mm. Mm. and I saw him in Glasgow and he was talking to the audience and he, and he got asked some question about what he I can't even remember what the question was, but I remember his answer was that most people that come and speak to him about these Tank Girl comics are people that liked the film. Right. So it's still even, I mean, in the world of Tank Girl comic fans, it was like, we love Tank Girl, the film comes out, we hate that film, that's ruined it all. <laughs> but then you've got 15, 20 years later, the guy drawn Tank Girl now, He's getting more people coming to him because they liked that film yeah. than liked either the original comics or. So it's just a fact that that, that the reach of the film was bigger. Yeah. And so it's the same with the Watchmen film. It's the same with anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I watched V for Vendetta, but I've never read it yet. Oh, so I'm reckoning that's in the same. 
same level as Watchmen. You felt like that. Mm. Yeah, I need yeah. to be reading it at I, some uh, point. It's been a long time since I've actually read that. I can barely remember it. I said this the last time, actually, when Nunn right. brought it up, was that it's been that long since I read it. There's, yeah. It was only, you know, the one, you know that way, the one read through, mm. and then it's gone. Within like yeah. minutes, you're sitting going, Shamal again. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I've just read that, you know, I can't even remember. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think Beef and Vendetta was a case of I seen the film first. Mm, right. And then went back and read the book. I need to watch Sandman for <coughs> a film of that comes out. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. If there isn't already, I'm not clear no, about Sandman. It's not funny, but they're not doing Sandman. No, they're not. Maybe they think it's more of a niche thing for. Well, that's one that keeps getting picked up and then dropped and then picked up and then dropped and loads of people keep getting associated with it yeah. and then it keeps disappearing. Like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he was tired with it for right. yonks mm. because he really wanted to do it. Mm. He's, a, he's a fan. Yeah. And then it just disappeared. It was, you know, he was secure. I'm doing this. I'm the one that's going to be doing it. I'm taking the fucking panel at San Diego Comic Con. I'm going to tell everybody I'm doing this. And then, yeah. you know, he's no longer attached and the studio that had it mm. has given it up and mm. it's went somewhere else and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Do you know, if you look at that from the outside, you know nothing about it, you would go, it's like one of those cool films or something. Yeah! Mm. yeah that's yeah. what it looks like. So that's, that would be the level of what it would do when it came up. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's the same with The Crow now as well. They keep going to redo it. Right. Uh, as in do it like it was in the comic mm-hmm. not what the Brandon Lee film was like mm-hmm. and then with the hero oh, we're going to redo this and we're redoing it and there's a guy who's wrote a script and he's going to direct it and blah blah and then it just disappears mm-hmm. Jason Momoa the guy who's playing Aquaman he was meant to be playing oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it's just disappeared yeah. that wasn't actually slated that was on yeah. a universal I think it was on a universal slate and then they just took it away and it's gone you're uh, not going to see a film version of Akira for a while, or a live-action no. one. No, Leonardo DiCaprio is a big fan of the franchise, and he owns all the rights. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's in no hurry to... Uh, to Russia. Yeah. Can you, can you guess what it is from these initials? Oh. I bet he comes up with the same uh, word for the two letters as I did. So, what's happening here? Good title. Author. One author. Mm-hmm. Donna somebody? David somebody? David B. Oh. Yeah. It is. Derek. My... Oh, my friend. Donna, come on. Brilliant. MFD. My friend Donna. Death back, death back there. This is one that I point to for everyone and anyone for a genuinely terrifying tale that is that's true for a start but is also not like gory or horrific or jump scary or anything it's just it's just frightening like the way he depicts this guy's story gave me nightmares. I told you that before. It genuinely gave me nightmares. The way he draws him, Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer, 
and draws how he looks and how he acts and everything and gives you an insight into his life like those dark eyes and just the, the complete stone-faced demeanour on him is it's just unbelievable. This story from start to finish is absolutely gripping and told just with the biggest amount of detail and to have that first-hand account of a serial killer is unbelievable and quite a notorious serial killer as well. The only kind of gore that you get in it is these bits where he kind of pokes in about animals or whatever, you know. There's no straight up, you know, hacking of bodies or anything like that. But even that, him just sitting above yeah. that fish is just so sinister. That one is quite intense and it's a full page. Yeah. Well, there's, there's just quite a couple, like, we bits when people are falling and like he's sitting laughing at them and it's just you can see the the evil kind of maniacal look on him. But yeah, they're just putting it as if like he's kind of draw, drawn it as well, as if like, oh what a fucking idiot, you know. Mm-hmm. What's, what's he what's he doing? Fucking freak, you know. And it's just this kind of this whole story of them in this tiny little town growing up with this guy and not knowing that not really knowing that he would end up being what he was and you know, to them he was just this kind of weird old dude that had a drinking problem and his family was a bit fucked. But you know, he met the president and everything and oh, it's just fucking mad. Like, he just used to go in the woods and he'd have all these jars with um, dead animals and, and acid and all this kind of stuff and just working your way through it and it's the little bit at the end that gets me. Have you read this book? No, it's just I was pointing, there was, a, there was a bit where he was sitting down on a rock, he was eating something. The posture he had is exactly the same as uh, one that, oh, yeah, yeah, that bit there. Oh, he's sitting drinking. Oh, he's drinking. Yeah, he's drinking. Oh, it's exactly the same posture as a picture of Slain from 2000 AD, sitting a bit like that, except he's, uh, he's, eating, he's eating his food and Slain, although he's the hero, is a... A mass murderer, yeah, yeah. just like this guy, yeah, I'm presuming, uh, or, or a serial killer. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, there's a bit where he's got on, uh, like he's doing weights. Yeah, mm. it just like it's just a normal thing, like doing weights. But he's even drawn his face just like intent, like mm. it's all dark and intent, as if he's like, I need to get bigger, like I need to be able to defend myself, I need to be able to do this, you know. It's just, it's just, he's, de- he's depicted everything so well, like, to, to kind of show this guy's vulnerability and yet show that he can be a loose cannon but well inside his head until it just comes out. And it's just, oh, there's a bit at the end, I don't know if you all want to read this or not, but oh, it's I'm a true story anyway. Is so, it? Yeah, it's a true story. Um, they went to school with uh-huh. serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer um, in the 70s. Mm. Hence uh, the fashion I'm seeing. Yes. Okay. But there's a whole bit at the end, after he's committed his first murder and everything, it's kind of epilogue. And uh, they're, they're sort of talking about him around the table, like, oh, he's probably a serial killer by now, and blah, 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 blah. This guy, like, this, this guy killed people, blah, blah, blah. He's, uh, he went to your school he was in your class and he's like what who he's like oh who do you think it was 
and he just goes for like the first person that was a bit kind of out of the way and a bit kind of out there he's like no it's not that and he mentions him like straight away after it hmm. and it's just that like how he's depicted himself getting that news mm-hmm. like as if like in his head he's just like I knew it like I, you know I, I wanted to almost say it was this other guy first because I wanted that to be the case that we all saw it everybody saw it but only we really saw this coming and that's why I made it my second choice and that's why he's saying like oh my mm-hmm. god it was him like what have you done and he knows the extent he doesn't even hear the full story and he knows the extent of what has what has happened it's just so gripping from start to finish but every time I put this to somebody and show them it and show the visuals and, and they know the story because Dahmer was such a, a notorious killer um, they go oh fuck me I'm reading this you know mm-hmm. I need to read this mm-hmm. I'm going to my pal I bought it for somebody in work uh, for their birthday um, I pointed it to various people that I've worked with over the years and like that Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I've only discovered it, I've only read it and discovered it in the past like four or five years. But in, in those four years, it's like number one to be picked. Yeah. And it made, it put Der's work like right on top of my radar. I mean, you spoke about trash. Mm-hmm. I had to read it. Yeah. And that's, that's I, it was a toss up between that and trash. Yeah. But trash is a wee bit more out there that it would maybe turn some people off. It's less accessible. Whereas it's a great story. Yeah. And it's, it gives you an informative thing on, a, an informative look into like the garbage industry and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But there is that weird kind of story going on with like he's flatmate and does a runner and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like the, all that stuff kind of puts people on all the language and that. Whereas this is just a straight up telling of like 1970s high school. Yeah. And the fact that they then ended up finding out that one of their classmates was a serial killer and mm-hmm. just by going through his life and kind of pointing it like, this all made up to this, you know, this guy wasn't always like this. This is what kind of made him this way. Please, it's almost like a please try and understand, do you know what I mean? Like, he's a sorry soul, he's a fucking demon and a devil, but he's a sorry soul. And it's just... Oh, yeah, I remember his bit about how he's really making a point that all the adults let him down. Yeah, that's what he said, just one bit. It's all the adults, the, yeah. the, 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 the mums and dads, the teachers. Oh. What you're saying is, uh, really hits when you see that picture. Yeah. Everyone seems to have let him down there. Two seconds, Mike, there is mm-hmm. actually, a, there's a page where he says that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm often asked why I never spoke up, why I didn't try to get Dahmer help. Uh, you have to remember, this was 1976. You never narked on classmates, uh, on a classmate, sorry. It simply wasn't done. Besides, my friends and I, we were just clueless, small town kids wrapped up in our own lives. And none of us had a hint about what was really going on in his head. A better question is, where were the damn adults? And so it's just him standing alone, mm-hmm. watching the fucking jogger that he's obsessed with mm-hmm. run past. But just that, with those the white eyes and the dark silhouette in the window. But it's that thing, like, it's that thing, like, everybody asking, like, why didn't you say anything? Why, it's like, well, they, they were kids, they didn't need to say anything. Yeah. 
they shouldn't have needed to say anything. The better question was, why the fuck weren't the adults around to mm-hmm. question it? Whose point of view is this from? Is it from his? From Death, the, the author, from Death. Okay. Back there. There you go. There's, that's my first one. Mm-hmm. Fancy that, Mike? Fancy uh, reading that? Or? Oh, yeah. It might give you, genuinely, it might give you nightmares. I was reading through it again this morning. And as I'm going through it, I'm going, <laughs> I was, it genuinely was getting, yeah. it was on chapter two and I'm sitting yeah. going, so no. <laughs> but I love it, I yeah. absolutely love it. Do you remember in that, I can't remember the first time I heard of Jeffrey Dahmer, it's in that Public Enemy song, there's a line in it, he goes, Jeffrey Dahmer enters the room without cuffs, and he's complaining about the justice system of man. And I, because I, I remember like, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, you know. Yeah, was that? Uh, anyway, okay. So number two. We move on. Number two. <laughs> you guys said number two. <laughs> <laughs> My number two is science fiction. Mm-hmm. Late 80s. Mm-hmm. Strike Force mm-hmm. Monotone. Now this was in 1986. In a Marvel comic. <clears throat> and... Peter Gillis, I think. Peter B. Gillis wrote it. Let me just get it a little bit protective. So this is um, We Who Are About to Die. (laughs) Right? Strike Force Moratory. First issue. December 1986. Artist Brett Anderson. He, He did a lot of stuff for Marvel. Back in the day, I don't know if he still does, but he used to do like X Men bits and things. Did he do the Hulk? Because that's very similar to one of the Hulk stories I've got. Maybe, yeah. With the intelligent Hulk with Bruce Banner's mind. Yeah, might have done. So, the gist of this is that the Earth has been invaded by the Horde. The Horde. I should have reread this to remind myself of things, you know. I just remember that I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And it ran for about 30-odd issues, and then there was a, another series after it. Uh, I'm jumping to the end here, but they, 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 they did like a five-issue series. And I remember in it, it said, no, no, we're not giving up on Strike Force Moratory. I mean, for instance, here's this five-issue series that we are going to be going on. And of course, that was the last thing. <laughs> You know, as soon as you're reading an editorial that's saying, oh, here we go, the fact that they're making that point, it's like, you know, we're backing you all the way. Um, So, the Earth has been invaded by the Horde, who are uh, horrible, horrible aliens, really nasty, and in fact, they're they're not really sophisticated, they're like a bunch of thugs, they're like a bunch of bullies. And all fans. As you read it, it comes out that their technology that they've got for attacking the Earth, they stole it from other people. Mm-hmm. Other aliens met them and were threatened, they killed them and stole all their stuff. And so they don't even know, they didn't build it. Right. So they're not like sophisticated, very clever. They're thugs, they're bullies, they're bastards, they're, and they're, they're sadists, they're sadistic. Okay. Uh, uh, so they're scary. They've not even fully invaded and taken over the earth they just stay in orbit all the time and just send thing and they just take other stuff they, they just want the, 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 the food the this that and the next thing and they're just attacking and so in order to fight this what they've done is they've, they've created 
a process basically to, to give people superpowers, right? It's superheroes type thing again. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nonsense. It's superheroes versus aliens, right? right. That's, that's what you can, mm. that's what it is. Now, what's, what, what's interesting in it is the process is very rough. There's 5% of people on the, of humans are able to withstand it being going undergoing this process mm -hmm. and they they get the first bit of the process to get super strong and then they need that to do the second process that then gives them an individual power and it can be any sort of power they don't know what it is until it manifests itself so really I, I read this in the when it came out and then I read it again probably in the last 10 years and what they've done in the meantime is done that film uh, Starship Troopers. Mm. You've seen Starship yeah. Troopers, and it and it really reminded me of that film now that they've made since then, because it's a big part of this is their propaganda tools, the Strike Force monitor. Right, okay. What they are, they, they they put up these films and everything to get people to see that they're heroes, they're great, mm -hmm. and and it's uh, this thing, the Black Watch. So he's reading the comic <laughs> of the Black Watch. And this was the first, see, this is the different style of action. Yeah, you know, it's go, go. Yeah. And this is what he's grown up reading about being in this Strike Force Moratori. You don't think he was influenced by our Black Watch when he got the name? Well, maybe. Hmm. So that goes on, and, and you know, it's all, yeah, down human, down before my warrior's might. Is that one of the aliens? <coughs> That's one of the aliens in this comic. And then he said, you're making a mistake, warrior, in underestimating the power and the spirit of free men. Mm. Yay, zap, you know. So it's all, this is the, this is what the, and, and this chap here is writing all about his thoughts as he's going through it. Mm. Because, of course, he wanted to be a writer. You know, mm. like so many characters, funnily enough, a writer is writing this comic. So the main person in it wants to be a writer. Mm. <laughs> so, um, um the, the other thing, and the reason they're called Moraturi, like dying, you know, moribund, is when, if it's successful and you get this and turn into a superhero, the most you've got to live is a year. Ah. Right? And that doesn't mean you're going to live a year, that means yeah. you could die tomorrow, next week. At some point, the longest you've got is a year. So, Do they have a choice to become superheroes? Or oh, they all volunteer. Okay. Everybody that does it is volunteered. So they have the same the powers, powers or... and they thought, let's join, let's do it, we need to yeah. fight the horde. Mm. Yeah. They want to do their bit. Does that answer your question? I saw yeah. That, did you? <laughs> so, so as it, this is, we'll get to know them and we get to meet them and, and what have you. And um, what was interesting, but this is a Marvel comic and it kind of roughly runs in real time. Right. The comic as well. So you are kind of, you're sort of loving it a bit with them. And you're getting to know the characters. And there are bits where there's stories going on. And then the person just kind of explodes. And they're out. And, that, and that's... Oh! So the, the, so the characters die. And you do get to a point in the series where... Because not, this stuff's taking them... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, this is back to the comic again, and they're having big speeches, and oh, blah, blah, yes, we, Earth! <laughs> you know, they get killed screaming Earth, you know, the end. Um, now, of course, you, 
as you, you're reading it, it's more traumatic, you know, mm-hmm. the reality of it. So that, and then back to the story on the mm-hmm. next page, and here there are, it's actual footage now of the real Black Watch and how they really died. And the guy's like talking and he starts having like a fit here. And he's like, what's wrong? No, 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 oh, oh, and he kind of just, this is, this is how, how, this is how you go. Jeez. That was pretty scary if you're you know, you enjoyed your album yeah. and the chipmunks, that was good. <laughs> but then on the next page, <laughs> can you hear me, please? Please help end transmission. Yeah, so they've took them in and they've said, okay, folks, this is what happened. This is what, you know, <gasps> now that you've, oh, and he's shocked, you know, oh, mm-hmm. right. Um, so then they're all getting to know. So they're saying, like, now that you've signed up, this is what happens to yeah, you. Yeah, here's a wee show of, uh, of what happened. And there's her powers manifesting on the door. She's kind of blasted the door. So, let's see. Yeah, okay. Ah, yeah. And this one, they kind of get told not to... I think they attack somewhere. It's like someone comes over and and they're like, they've been... We want to go and fight, you know. And they're like, well, you're not ready. No, so, you know, they do the the usual thing. They break away and steal a ship and go Mm -hmm. and all that. And then they get caught right in the middle of... uh, He's in the middle of it and it's all like action, but it's terrible, you know, it goes badly and all that. The one thing is they've got this commander, I forget her name, but she's the commander and she doesn't, she just, uh, she's not got the the process, so she's in it. And she gets to know them and has to watch them all die and all that. Mm -hmm. There's there's issues in this later on where, depending on how many die at a given point, you know, there's, there's some, there's a couple of issues where it's the last of the old lot, and all the new ones come in, and they're all yeah, yeah, like the next generation. So that's how, well, in theory, the comic would <coughs> keep going. Well, that's how it did go, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, a bit like Doctor there was Who. a point when you got into it where you were reading it, and there was nobody left from the first issue. Huh. It was all the new people, now. and then you know, it just it was really fascinating. I remember thinking that that was. What was going to be so interesting about this comic? Yeah. How could they keep this going with new characters all the time? And there he is, that you can't get to sleep with all the things that he's. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah. So that's cool. Have a look at that. Ah, yeah. I just brought a few of these along. It runs for about 30 issues. And then so good series. Uh, if, if you feel it being an interesting science fiction superhero thing, is around the time of Secret Wars. Secret Wars! 86, yeah. Uh, a year or two after it. That used to always be in. You used to have Spider Man there, eh? Yeah. Mm. This was reprinted in Marvel UK. Uh, Spider Man and Zoids comic at the time. I've got. I, I used to have some there. I, I probably still have it. I first read it. And then they stopped running it. I think somebody looked at it and went, look what happens in this. You know, in the editorial office. Because it just suddenly stopped. And I thought I was well into that. So then I went and found the issues. But still a good comic to read. I would would recommend it to somebody that wants a science. If you like science fiction, you know. It's Mm. good. It looks great. Right, Mike. I'm trying to think what else. Mm. If there's anything else to say about it. See this second number. What's your your number two? Well, it's another Marvel jobby. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, this is fitting for this time. This this goes back to when Marvel <coughs> could do these big epics, because 
You remember when I brought in the Secret Wars to pretty disappointed by uh, by their handling yeah. of it. The main story was dodgily drawn, yep. seeing as some of the characters were reused again and again. And then there were so many references to things that had happened in other comics, but too many for most normal mortals to actually be able to collect. So this is one of the uh, this is one of the um, stories that. It did have a build-up. It's sort of a sequel to a previous big, big event that Marvel had in the 70s. And this is, I believe, in the 80s. I think I know what you're going to pull out, but okay. Uh, yes, because uh, we're going to encounter this in a couple movies' time, mm -hmm. or one movie's time. I knew he was going to bring out. Mm -hmm. it's the going to run it's going to be... Be this is the, yep, the Infinity Gauntlet as is intended. Uh, when I watched uh, Infinity Wars 1, I thought Thanos wasn't really portrayed the way he should be portrayed. This is how we should be shown. Like, insane, grinning. You can hardly see his eyes. There's hardly any actual shot of his eyes here. It's always dark. Well, who's and whenever that? there's a sort of... Uh, uh, whenever there's a sort of hint of a pupil, it's just a star in, in, in his eyes. Uh, Pencilers, uh, uh, George Perez, and the writer was Jim Starlin. And here, here is the list of major superheroes who were wiped out when Thanos uh, casually yep. gets rid of them all. But in, in the film, it's like a hard decision for him. It's like, oh no, uh, I really have to think hard. Here, Thanos lives up to the idea of being the prime villain. He, uh, let's see if I can get the page. He's only in the film on one time. Well, he, he doesn't do it as well as here. Here, look at his grin. He casually just goes like that. Even Mephisto is like, uh, he's really going to do it. And he does. And of course, in the meantime, Thanos is trying to get the love of uh, Lady Death. And she doesn't seem to really approach him. She doesn't even speak to him. So he creates himself a woman version of Thanos wow. to love. And she, she actually manages to kill Iron Man and Spider-Man without breaking a sweat. Uh, oh, this is not the real Thor. This is um, the uh, second one, uh, Thunderstrike. Uh, the real Thor is uh, currently at this point in uh, Ragnarok. So uh. another man who is worthy of holding the hammer... Right. Is taking his place. Of course, Adam Warlock recognizes him as not being the real Thor, but the others seem to yeah. think he is. Thanos, Thanos takes on the rest of the universe. Awesome, be fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's Nebula, as she should be drawn. Right. Thanos has basically beaten the entire Marvel universe. He's beaten all the Elder Gods. Uh, Adam World after Thanos loses the gauntlet, the he's Nebula not, gets he's it. He's still got his. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's one of the Infinity Gems. It's in the gauntlet. Do we get us right? I'm sorry, but you know, imagine you read Warlock and you know finished about 1976 and you've read Now, where's his? Uh, you know, I'll ignore the fact why is he alive, and I'll go to. I'll he's, go to. Where's his Adam Warlock. Is actually dead. He gives it up himself, though, doesn't he? No, well, he's actually could. dead in this. Until uh, they manage to get these bodies and they're transforming into Pip, 
Gamora, yeah. and then you see the big cocoon. Oh, right. Adam Warlock hatches from there. But when he hatches, he's not got his uh, gem on yeah. his forehead. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, oh, and in case you're wondering, the elder gods like Odin and Zeus, mm. uh, when Thanos gets the gauntlet, he basically blocks them out. So they're stuck in the lights of Asgard. They can't get over to sort things out. So there, he's basically beaten them. He's beaten like uh, Celestials and uh, Chaos and all these other Guardians. But then Warlock looks good though, doesn't he? Oh yeah, but you see, the thing is, Thanos loses the gauntlet to Nebula. Nebula goes completely insane. Uh, they manage to get Thanos, so now they've got to work with Thanos. Mm -hmm. And Adam Warlock kind of hits the nail on the head with Thanos. He's like, you beat everyone in the universe. You could do anything you want. Mm. How did we manage to overpower you? And he's like, I know why. Because deep down, you actually want to get beaten. And Thanos sort of comes to that revelation and it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of affected them. He's like, no, it was a mistake. Even gods, I didn't... And then he changed his mind, like, I will aid you mm -hmm. to help. Well, that's the best version of Thanos I can think of. I think there's. I think it's it's good showcase of art. I don't really know the story though. Well, the story is worth reading, but it's not going to be as in depth as some of the previous books I've I've seen here. You're just you're just a Thanos fan, really. Ah, I'm a bit of a villain fan. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what it is? I I like the ending that they gave for Thanos in in the seventies. It was very well done. Yeah. When he dies, he's frozen. And yeah. He's, and he stood there like that. Because I've got that one as well. I think I've brought that in. I just thought, wow, look at that. That's a great ending. So I think I'm almost like, even if this is good, I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. You see him resurrected in for eternity. But I have Thanos, um, the, the one where he's uh, resurrected and he goes on the quest for the, uh, the gems. Yeah. I've seen, I've read that. I'm too biased against it. That's mm -hmm. the problem. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. Care, I don't, I'm not caring if it's good. There was yeah. actually a tender moment between the Hulk and Wolverine at the start of I that. I saw that. They yeah. having a chat. Yeah, they're having a smoke and a chat. He says, we're both monsters. Yeah. They seem to understand each other a bit better and then Adam Warlock jumps in. Starlet likes the Hulk as well. He, he writes a pretty good Hulk. Mm. That's Hulk with uh, Banner's brain in there. Yes. With Banner's mind. I, know, I knew that from the costume he's got on. Yeah. Nothing's ripped and he speaks perfect Hulk, English. You know, Past having given up on all of it, I was still reading the Hulk, so I knew mm. he had this costume on. Mm -hmm. I don't like Warlock's costume, then, you know, with these red suspenders mm. and the, the stockings he's got on. I always liked his cape, but I don't like the rest of it now. Where's his soldier? Mm. I know you've explained it already, but every picture I've like, no, what? He lost it, and when he was resurrected, he needed to get it back, but. In the end of this, See, is, I'm too uh, biased. I don't even care. I'm saying, hey, is it? And you're he, being kind. He of has it. He's only gone listening. You know, it's Soul Gem gone. Warlock dead. Warlock come back. Soul Gem on gone. You know, the entire. I was so enthralled with the Soul Gem, the vampire Soul Gem that he was stuck with, and then he realised he was addicted to it and all that. Mm. Just that whole seventies story. Have you read it? And if you read it when you were six or seven, my God, it's just burned into my head on great. It's part of the same lot of drugs campaign, I think. But now they turn around and they say, well, that soldier, that was only one of six or something. And he wants it for his golf and him. Like, mm -hmm. just take that story away. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know about that. 
Now I know that people love this comic because I've heard so many people that have read it and love it. I never even tried it. Sorry. I apologise. What? What a bastard! I'm not going to read it in case I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be betraying myself. That's what it makes like two. The, th the thing is, it's Jim Starlin that's written it, so you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. It won't be good because he he wrote this stuff. So and there's Gamora, the most dangerous woman mm. in the galaxy. That's her resurrected again. Oh my god, she's amazing this shit with the green mm -hmm. costume and all. And it's the way they're all terrified of her. It's, it's brilliant. I'm repeating myself, but it's so no, good. No. That, that introductory page of her. My God. <laughs> the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. Yeah. Gamora versus Barda. Who would win? I don't know. But I'm, oh, that would be a fun to watch. That would be. Any chance? Mm -hmm. Is it My second one. Your number two? My second one is... Logical oh, ah, yes. Epic search for truth. Now, my main reason that I suggest this to folks is if they're not looking for something that involves, <clears throat> I would say anything to do, like if you're looking for something that's so out of what people think is comics. Mm -hmm. So when people think of comics, they think of superheroes and everything like that. When you read somebody who's not the initiated, <laughs> um, but when when you mention that to somebody that they're looking for something that's completely left field, but something that's still like all of all of my friend Dharma is all like black and white, and you know, like sometimes the black and white thing can be a bit daunting for some folks, and they kind of look at it and go, well, yeah, okay, you know, they still see it as like well, maybe that's a wee bit underground or whatever. That's a bit that's that's something, but this is all full color. And it's just a story of somebody's life told from their perspective, but also with a wee bit of something else going in there, going on in there because the creators are involved in telling the story. So it's kind of like three different story threads weave throughout it, but very easily told. All in that from start to finish, and you know, there's no sort of big deviations or anything. Um, and it's an interesting story. It's a really good story about somebody who actually lived and going through their, their life, you know. Mm -hmm. It's very colourful, it's very vibrant, it's done very sort of in this cartoony kind of way, but it's still still very realistic and whatnot. They've got ah, these things in uh, Greece, I think, is where they are. I think they're all Greek and French artists and writers and everything anyway. Um, yeah, it's just... You know, there's not really, there's a lot to it, but there's not at the same point. It's uh, the logician Bertrand Russell. Him going to this talk when, he, when there was all sorts of protests and everything going on, and they were all having this big conversation, and there's people kind of trying to dispute his points and whatnot, and he kind of just takes them back and says, look, I'm just going to tell you where my life started, and this is how it happened, and blah, 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 and how he's ended up where he is now. But then you get this sort of interruption, the kind of break in between it, where they're then disputing the next parts of the story, and no, you can't, you can't really include this bit because that shouldn't be there. And it should really, you should really deviate to this bit of his life instead. And all that kind of stuff. Um, so you get a break from the story. You're not just constantly sitting, really grueling through this guy's life. It then eventually gets to a point where 
the artists kind of pop in and say like, right, this is the next bit, you know, get this bit up on the board, blah, 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 blah. And it's good, it's really, it's really intriguing to go through a story that way from kind of two separate people telling you. So it's like them telling you, him telling other people, you know. Um, but I always point folks to this if they're just looking for something that is a complete deviation mm -hmm. from that. That is a good story of something that happened. This is a good story of somebody's life and a, com and a good example of what comics are. It works, the panel structure. It works by structuring all your all, all your narrative and everything and all your speech models and everything to show you you know this is this is how we frame this part of the story this is that you don't have to have a description of anything because it's in the panel you can just have the speech and whatnot and you can have his his um narration over the top of it with these different colored boxes and whatnot it's a good it's a very good example of how a comic should be um all whilst they're kind of telling you this is how a comic should be. So it's a nice example to show people and show people who don't really know mm -hmm. what they are. Um, you know, something a bit different when somebody says the words, so it isn't all about superheroes. You can straight away say, no, check this out. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, and it's such a breeze to get through. I think we spoke about it before, mm. that you had read it before and it was, it was dead easy to get through, but it's not small. By any stretch of the imagination, it does, and it does take up some time to get through it, but it's just so easy to get through it. Now it works really good, and it's yeah. not the first time I've seen this book. I think I might have seen this here before. Yes, I think we did one on like biographies or something mm. like that, or something like that. That is my number two pick. I do, I did read that about whenever it was, it came out eight years ago or something. Mm. I do remember what. What you're talking about with it kind of explaining, they, they do sit and discuss how they're going to do the comics. And, and I think at the start they even might say, why are we going to do this as a comic? Uh -huh. Yeah. And it, I do remember being a little bit put off by that, a little bit. Because, because I just assume everything should be a comic, you know. Yeah. I'm into, into it already. But, you know, you, I just looked past that and kept reading, and it's a very... It's well done. I remember reading it and enjoying it a lot. That that bit of it, I do remember thinking, ah, oh, this is for people that are looking at this going, why is this a comic? Yeah, yeah. And so they explained it. <clears throat> and it's true what you say, it goes throughout the book that they are explaining things. Like the process, on. yeah. So, yeah, it is a, probably a good one for people that are, you know, comics curious. or They're Trying to find out what what more the medium could offer them yeah. than just superheroes. Yeah, it was good. I, I remember enjoying it. I don't like saying, when I say, when I say that sentence as well, I don't like saying that because that's that's a given that it's more than just superheroes. Oh, or super villains. You know, there's thousands of comics out there. Yeah, um, yeah so it's a, it's a total given. Um, but, yeah, it's strange because it starts off with one of them actually talking to the reader and then he goes and none of the rest of them know I'm doing this so uh, I'll, I'll talk to you in a minute mm -hmm. and then he kind of veers off and goes back kind of thing it's 
Yeah, it's strange, but it's good. Yeah. It's effective. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number two. I do remember it, it got mainstream, you know, coverage. I remember yeah. it was reviewed and it was kind of thing that the Guardian people yes. would like or whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the topic and the person it's about is of note. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that shit and the, your point about the colour is correct as well. Even if they don't know that black and white is underground, I think people think colour is value. Yes. So it's like if someone's black and white, it's only black and white because they didn't even colour it. They couldn't be bothered to spend the money on it, colouring it. Yeah, I don't care what it is about black and white. It really puts people off. Yeah. It puts people off of films as well. And I always sit like, why? Yeah. It's still people... It's like someone's missing. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a choice. Someone's not being yeah. put in. Like, you can imagine the Agent Bill being in colour. No. Yeah, but exactly. it's the thing though. Like, what, what, what does colour add to a film? Unless it's something that specifically has to have colour to it. What you know, is it? I think it probably just brings it a bit closer to looking at the world, you know, yeah. it's in colour. It brings it a bit, it's less of a barrier. Maybe. Black and white's kind of stylized, you know? Yeah. Obviously stylized. But it is that thing, like, it is telling you the story of somebody's life. But where those two are similar in that respect, yeah. they completely deviate, because that one is like somebody telling you from, like, almost like the outside perspective, whereas this is somebody telling you their life, mm -hmm. but from somebody else mm -hmm. telling you what they said to a bunch of people, you know? There were a lot of interesting comics, graphic novels for, for the book market in the UK mm -hmm. around about this time. Yes. I don't know, but is that still happening? It probably is. Occasionally. Tom Gold is a, is a big example yeah, of that. There was a real, there was a real load of comics that were coming up that were for bookshops, and I remember feeling that. Mouse was making a big well, thing sure, that too. Yeah, that had been hanging around forever. But that's another yeah, one. Yeah, but that, that, came that made a reinsurgence at yeah. that point. It did, because for no reason whatsoever. I remember, you always got Mouse 1 and Mouse 2, and for some reason, they did the complete mouse. Yeah. It was like some year, 2008, 2009, suddenly they went, hey, let's do the complete mouse. But they've done and that, that came out and sold like anything again. They've done that oh, with um, Persepolis as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's another one that came as uh, one or two. And then they just yes. all of a sudden one day were like, oh, you know, this is this is good with the bookie lot. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's yeah. make this one big book and we can sell it. And like, HMV and FOP and a bit. Yeah. You now get that in FOP. Yeah. I was, uh, we were in there in FOP. Yeah. And it's in two for a fiver deal. Uh -huh. You know, just sitting there, Persepolis. And yet at the time, Persepolis was like this big deal. Yes. Now it's, it's just, now it's like bargain bin, you know, or just pick it up wherever. Well, yeah, yeah, it's maybe hard, it's wrong. It's probably yeah. like this. Yeah, it looks like that. Uh, going to the one day and this will be sitting on the shelf like yeah. five pound pick up. Husband, yeah. And yeah, I picked this up from like 1899. It looks like a paperback novel um, most of the time. Yeah. The way it's designed and the yeah. size. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially that Persepolis. They brought that out. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, the wee paperback book. Yeah. That's right. I've, I've got the film on DVD. But I was going to say, it probably helped that it, had, it ended up being made into an animated film as well. Mm. That reminds me, I saw. Um, Breadwinner at the cinema the other day. 
It's kind of on. Uh, oh yeah. Sort of similar yeah. themes, except that one was done in color. Did you go uh, DCA? Yeah, to see mm. it. It's definitely not a feel-good film because a lot of things no. that happen there actually do happen in real life. Um, Sorry, kind of hurry up, boys, but I'm going to say honourable mentions, yeah, and then we'll get back. Honourable mentions. Yes. Who killed Selena Kyle? Okay. Okay. And Debbie went to your honourable mention. My honourable mention, because I, I, I did actually think of that um, before I came over. Because cool. that is a good, good So I might bring it in some other time, uh, like you said, we look at that. Well, if think, you have a gangster version. Thinking of a comic that people could relate to, that even if they're not interested in comics. Say Hulk, right? say Hulk, say Hulk. <laughs> well, the Hulk knows what it's saying, you know. That's the best comic of all time. Kirby! Oh, I just lost. You know, halfway between us, somebody mentioned Jack Kirby, maybe it was me, I sort of lost my mind then. The conversation crashed and everybody lost it. it <laughs> no, I was thinking of Carol Tyler, the job thing, and it's all about her doing lots of awful jobs. All right. And I thought, you know, we've all done that. That's a great comment. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. Is it, what's it called? Sir? The job thing. The job thing. She's just done a new one, and it's all about when she was a kid and she was loving the Beatles. Um, mm. She's American, you know. So like them coming in and taking over a world, you know. Can't remember what it's called. Something with the Beatles. It was probably called something with the Beatles. I love the Beatles. So that's my honourable mention. I'll check that out. Mine I brought with me, obviously. Ah, is. Oh, here we go, hey. man. Scott McLeod. The uh, sculptor. Yeah. I suggest that everybody read this. Right away, I've said it. Read it. Read it. Nothing else, no. That's Scott McLeod, the sculptor. Um, I've, never, I've said this before, I've spoken to it before ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go on about it forever. But the story has so many elements to it that work. Um, there's such an emotional tale behind it, it's not going to be a laugh a minute. There is quite a heartfelt story behind it, quite sombre, quite sad in places. Uh, there is a slight uh, non-realistic vibe to it. Um, but the character work, I mean, McLeod's drawings are just absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's a slight kind of Japanese-y kind of vibe mm. about it as well. Um, but he's, he, his artwork is great. He knows how to structure a comic. You know, he wrote understanding comics. He knows mm -hmm. he knows how to work a work a comic. He knows the ins and outs. Um, it's just really, really well done. It's kind of this. It's not black and white. It's kind of blue and blue and whiteish. Mm -hmm. You know, tricolor. Yeah, it's. Um, but there's like there's 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 just so much going on in it. But it's one of the very first books that I have read and sobbed like a baby when I was reading it and it's also one of the first ones that I remember starting reading and I could not put it down. I went to put it down, I got to like the third the third act I went right I really need to go to bed and I put it down and then went no I can't, I can't and I picked it up and I continued going um, and I'm glad I did because that's when it came and I sat there and I bawled my eyes out. 
I like the cover, but there's something about the cover that's a bit computery. Mm. Mm. It kind of puts me off sometimes, but don't let it put you off. Everything about this is great, but I would love to see. Mm. I would love to see Scott McLeod do more. Mm-hmm. Well, Especially spent nine years on it. It fucking did. <laughs> yeah. I think he did. Yeah. Um, but it's just so good, so good, and it's not. You know, it's not small. It's worth your money. Mm-hmm. Um, it says eighteen ninety nine. I don't think I paid eighteen ninety nine. I think I got it fairly cheaper than that. Um, I think I got it at some deal or something. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a biggie. It's a good one. It's a big, massive coffee table bad boy. And I will go to my grave with this. That's I like, love this. like Craig Thompson's Habibi. And you'd be like, yeah, I'll read one chapter before I go to sleep. I'm very tired. And the <laughs> chapter is 132 pages. Yeah. It's a uh, similar size. Yeah, absolutely adore it. Cannot say a bad word about it. Um, I know it's not massively looked on well in the comics world. I think a lot of comics people have problems with it. Yeah. Um, this one of them that did really well in the book world, and I yes. think that's why. It's because when it came out, mm. it was like instantaneous, a hit, you know, and right. all these people went mad, and a lot yeah. of comics folk went, fuck off. <laughs> it's not, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't care. I love it. No, it's just if you if you love it. And yeah. You Absolutely love it. I didn't know any of that going into it. Mm. I found all that out after. So did you? Really? I, I remember one of the criticisms of it was something like you read it and you've got the feeling like this is like somebody that's read Scott McCord's book on how to make comics and then they've made this. I never got that, that feeling. No, no. That, that's more like somebody that knows too much. Yeah. <laughs> I I I. I I got the calling you up for that. <laughs> I got the fact that he's maybe the guy that wrote it. Yeah, yeah. But just from the feeling that I was going through it going, they really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that was it, you know. It wasn't like, oh this guy's read this book. It was, you know. It's a, it's a feeling somebody had reading it. Yeah. Maybe like understanding comics or and making comics and, and broken the, giving them too much of an insight into what McLeod thinks about when he's doing comics. That's the so thing, if, if you're going in with too much of a precedent on it as well, yeah. you're going to end up having that bias behind it, you know. Yeah. Whereas I didn't go in with enough of that. I no, have read Understanding Comics, but, and I'd read a lot of comics before that as well, but they just, I don't know, just, I maybe had just enough naivety yeah, yeah. that, do you know, so much, this is an, all the podcasts I read, criticism, so much of the time, it, they're reacting to their own expectation of what mm-hmm. it was, and that's what the review is. I mean, if you get a really good reviewer, they're, they're not doing that, but it's yeah. few it's, it's few and far yeah, between. Yeah, it's really few and far between. If you think someone's great and you watch it and go, it's all right, that, you know, the first bit's in there. If you were thinking this is going to be crap, and then you go, oh, that was pretty good, actually. It's like, well, it's too, they're both infected by what you yeah. thought at the start. And what you thought at the start is infected by what other people have been saying. Yeah. And how much attention you've paid to that. I, I, you know, once I decide, right, I want to see that. You know, you get wee snippets of things. And once I feel myself go, yeah, I'm interested in that. Mm. That's it. At that point, I'm cutting it off. And I don't want to know any more. I want to know nothing else. It's piqued my interest. I'm going, yeah. Yeah, I get you on that. Yeah. And I think maybe, like, Watchmen, 
comes under that, you know. People, mm-hmm. that's the greatest. People say it's the greatest of all time, and you're like, well, that's hard to live up to that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, you've re- there's some stuff you really have to go in not knowing anything about. It. Yeah, perfect. Good, interesting well, choices, yeah. guys. Yeah, thank you for bringing them along. Mm. And uh, I'll mention, I'm going to look at this little job. Oh, that's a great okay. That's more like a subtitle To send us any comments or questions or just to say hello, you can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. We're also available on Instagram and Twitter at thatcomicsmell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Chart Smasher, aka John Adam. You can find John on Twitter at Joanidam and you can buy the track Dial Up on Bandcamp. <laughs>